0: I'm so glad to be here this morning. I'm excited about this series. Um, we're doing going through a series called Summer Gains, and we're looking at how we can grow deeper in our walk with God over the summer. A lot of times people take the summer off and they just kick up and they they don't grow spiritually. And so this is this series has been really helpful for me. Several of the messages have just hit me. And I I really changed my life as a result of this series. So I'm praying that that'll be the case this morning. And I wanna open us up in prayer and uh, just as we jump into actually what the book of James says about prayer. So Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we get to experience you in a real way. And I pray that your reality would be the thing that that everyone walks away with um, this morning that I would not be, I would not get in the way of what you want to say, that I would be a vessel used for you, for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. so we're going to look at James five thirteen through 18, and we're just going to read it, the whole passage right now, and just follow along with me. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. James five thirteen through eighteen. There's really three types of people in this room right now. After you read a passage like that, there's there's a type of person in here that that isn't sure whether this is really real, whether God really intervenes with humanity. And that's okay. We're glad if you're in here and you're exploring faith in God, we're glad you're here. We want this to be a safe place where you can come and hear God's word and explore what it means to be a follower of Christ. The second group of people is a group of people that maybe believe intellectually. You're a Christian, and you say, yes, amen, brother. Yeah, that's good. God can answer prayer. But you kind of have a skepticism in your heart, a cynicism about when people talk about answers to prayer. You're kind of always looking for, well, maybe that actually wasn't. And I just want to challenge you. Hopefully this message will challenge you. And then the third group of people in here are people that have experienced what this passage is talking about in their life. And they've they've seen repeated answers to prayer. They see God come through over and over again. And and I pray that all of us, by the time we die, we'll have a string of answers to prayer. I wanna live the kind of, I don't know about you, I wanna live the kind of life that at the end of my life, someone says only God could have done that. And because it wasn't, I don't want my life to be about me. I want it to be glorifying Jesus and who he is and not about, not about me. Because prayer at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about God. James 5, 16, I memorized it a while back, even before I knew I was going to give this message. And it was really speaking to my heart. It says this, it says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. There's a phrase, if it's on your handout, I want you to underline it. Elijah was a man just like us. So has anyone in here stopped the rain with your prayers? Okay, I need to talk to you afterward. No, no. Um, Man, it's mind-blowing. But here's the point in this passage. Is Elijah was a man just like us? God can use anyone. God will, will use anyone. The same power that was available to Elijah in prayer is the same power that's available to you. Elijah was just an ordinary person that prayed to an extraordinary God. Because our God is amazing. I don't know about you, I'm just a dude. Okay? I'm not that great. I'm not that amazing. But I know someone who is. My God is amazing. And and when you let go of your inadequacy and you cling to his adequacy, you can start seeing God do amazing things. So I started learning more about prayer and taking prayer more seriously about 15 years ago. And basically, I was challenged with this concept. Someone, this concept, does prayer matter? Someone asked me this, or I read in a book, and I just started wrestling with this prayer. Does prayer really matter? And if you followed me around for a while, like a week as a college student, I would have prayed like once or twice, and you would have known prayer would have Would not have mattered. And I would have said, Amen, brother, of course, prayer matters. But I wouldn't have shown it by my my actions. So I have a question for you. Does prayer matter to you? Does do you have a real, vibrant prayer life? Do you regularly see answers to prayer? Do you have a deep, passionate prayer life? When you actually I pray that our prayer lives would grow from a a duty to a delight. That we would go from not, oh, I have to spend time praying, is when can I get time with God, to be alone with God? And I, I love that. that some, that's something that God has done in my life over the years. A great book that actually challenged some of these things in my life is just, just to block out more time in prayer. That's one of the things I pray that you'll consider, is what if you blocked out 10 or 15 minutes a day where just focused prayer... But this book, it's called The Kneeling Christian by an unknown author, and he, that's how humble he was. He didn't want his name on the book. But um, he said this in, in a, a section. He said, Everyone, "'Every one of us would confess that we believe in prayer. "'Yet how many of us truly believe in the power of prayer? "'Has it ever occurred to you "'that our Lord never gave an unnecessary "'or optional command? "'Do we really believe that our Lord "'never made a promise which he could not "'or would not fulfill?' do we realize there is nothing the devil dreads so much as prayer? His great concern is to keep us from praying. He loves to see us up to our eyes and work, provided we do not pray. Someone has wisely said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. All this is so familiar to us, but do we really pray? If not, failure must dog our footsteps, whatever signs of apparent success there may be. Let us never forget that the greatest thing we can do for God or for man is to pray. For we can accomplish far more by our prayers than by our work. Prayer is omnipotent. It can do anything that God can do. When we pray, God works. A phrase in this this section that stood out to me is, would the Lord give an unnecessary command? Would he? Would God give us a command that didn't really matter? And the obvious answer is no. No. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't cause us, call us to do something that doesn't really make an eternal difference, a real difference in the world. But it got me thinking, when I started, I read this section and I got pontificating and I started thinking, okay, God's sovereign. He knows everything that's gonna ever happen and he knows he he is in control. So how does my prayer make a difference with that? And I came to the conclusion, you guys wanna hear it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't know how my iPhone works, but I know that it does, and it doesn't stop me from tweeting way too much. Um, it, but the same principle applies. I don't know exactly why or how God set up the world that when we pray, He does. When we pray, He does things that He wouldn't do when we wouldn't pray. I don't know why He does that, but I know that He does. I know that when we pray, God works. I know that, that when you choose to pray, he intervenes in humanity. And that I, my best answer is that's the way he sets it up and he's God, so I'm not gonna argue with him, okay? James 4, 2b, you do not have because you do not ask God. This passage actually haunts me a little bit. I think about my life and the things that I've missed out on, the blessings that I could have received if I was just more faithful in prayer. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss out anymore. I don't want this truth, I don't want this verse to be true of my life. Why, how about you? How about become a person that constantly, consistently asks God, not only for blessings in your own life, but impact through your life. There's things that God will do that you, when you pray that he won't do when you don't pray. He, he wants to show off his power. He wants to flex. He wants to show how big he is. A few uh, months ago, I was struggling. I was really struggling. We, I lead a ministry called Christian Challenge. And we, I, when I started the ministry 10 years ago, God gave me a really big vision and some things that were just impossible. And it's been 10 years and I'm like waiting on, I'm like, when is this gonna happen? And we've seen amazing things happen. But I was just honestly, I would love to tell you, I was full of faith, I was you know, gung ho, but honestly, I was struggling. I was, I was not, I was lacking faith. And I was praying, and I just was going, if you're ever in that place, that's what I recommend. There's nothing like the presence of God to deal with your problems. There's nothing that will solve it. And so I was praying to God, and a verse came into my mind, a verse that I would memorized, John fifteen seven. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. It was like that verse just flashed in my mind. And all of a sudden, I just had hope. I just had peace and I just had a plan. There's a plan in this passage. It's walk with Jesus, know his word, pray for big things, and then what's the end of the equation? God will do it. God will act. God wants to show off his power. God is not sitting up in heaven with his arms crossed like, what are these people asking me? He's not reluctant. I don't think it's his reluctance I think it's our weak prayer lives is the reason we don't see more answers to prayer in our lives. And I want to be the kind of person that grows in this area. Martin Luther, he said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it's laying hold of his willingness. God wants to bless us. He wants to pour himself out on us, his blessing on us. And he wants to move through us to reach people that are far from God. So there's three things in this passage that will help change the world. Prayer that changes the world, the first thing, flows out of a holy life. It flows out of a holy life. Verse 16 explains the importance of keeping your connection with God clear. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You see, sin blocks your connection with God. Your life is kind of like a tube in connection with God, connecting with God, and sin and disobedience clogs up the flow of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And too many believers live day-to-day lives with a little secret sin, a little unrepentant sin that they're not willing to give over to God. And that's going to hinder your prayer life. And that's going to hinder God's desire to answer your prayers. And have you ever felt like as you were praying that your prayers just kind of bounced off the ceiling? I have. But maybe this is it. Maybe this is one of the reasons is that you are not fully committed to Christ. You have not confessed your sins to him. Jeremiah, you can fool everyone, but you can't fool God. Jeremiah 17.10, it says, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So maybe if you're not experiencing a deep connection with God, maybe there's some hidden sin in your life. Maybe it's a thoughts, maybe it's attitudes, maybe it's a disobedient thing that you've been putting off. But whatever it is, don't let, let me just plead with you, don't let something as small and as lame as sin get in the way from this personal relationship that you can have with God. Psalm 16, 18, it says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Ask God to show you any unconfessed sin in your life. That's what I want to encourage you. Spend some time, maybe, maybe today, maybe during the first song after this, ask God to show you, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? And immediately forsake it. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Many of us are just one honest breakthrough, one honest confession away from a breakthrough in your relationship with God. Maybe you need to be honest with someone, open and honest with a a leader. Maybe it's a pastor here. We wanna be a safe place where you can be open and honest with what you're struggling with. I know that has been true in my life. Several conversations where I've finally been honest with my sin. Now let's look back at the passage, James 5, 16. It's up on the screen. It says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I used to read this passage and be kind of bummed. I used to think, well, Pastor Gary, that applies to Pastor Gary, and this other guy I know that's like this big guru guy. And, uh, and I, but then I, when you read in context of the passage, this is about everyday people. God wants to answer the prayers of normal everyday people, just like you and me, even sinful people. So how does this work? How do you become righteous before God? Are you guys ready for some good news? Okay. Second Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's righteousness can be credited to your account. This, this is the theologians call this the great exchange. You take your dirty, rotten sin, your messed up life, and you give it to God, and he gives you back the perfect righteousness of Christ. I don't know about you, but that is something we're saying praise God for. We can exchange our sin for Christ's righteousness. You don't have to clean your life up if you're in here and you're not a follower of Christ. You don't have to clean up first. You can come to Christ and he will clean you up. He will change you. And I love, maybe I love this so much because I'm just such a great, I'm a big sinner, okay? I I sin a lot. But what I've discovered is Jesus is a great savior. He is so much bigger than anything I can do to sin against him. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, proving what everything he said and proving that death and sin lost forever and now we can have a direct connection to god every single day of our lives every day you can you can be with jesus on an intimate level we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You have a direct connection with God. I tell this people all to people all the time, jokingly. I said, "Hey, even non Christians, people I know, I, hey, I got the inside track with the big guy upstairs. If you need something, I'm going to pray for it. I got it." <laughs> uh, and you can do. You can have that too. If you're a follower of Christ, man, I'm. I just have this feeling, like God just really likes me, you know, and 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 God, we have this connection, and that can be for anyone that is a follower. So, how does all this work with the confession stuff I was talking about earlier? A way I like to describe it is the difference between a relationship and fellowship. So, I have a four-year-old named Evelyn, and she is the cutest four-year-old in the history of humanity. I've decided, and I'm not going to argue about it. Um, and Every once in a while. I think one time she was rebellious, okay? Yeah, one time. Um, And she shouted, no. And in that moment, our relationship was fully intact. There was nothing that she could do for me to love her any less. I loved her just as much then then, than when she was being a little angel like she normally is. (laughs) And there was nothing that she could do for her not to be my daughter. But our fellowship was struggling, okay? (laughs) I had to discipline her, I had to talk to her, she had to say sorry, she had to tell God sorry, and now we were back together in, in fellowship. And that's the same way in your relationship with God. So if you're not a follower of Christ, your first step is to choose to follow him, to give your life to him, to know that he loves you, he wants to forgive you, he wants to come into your life and change your life. And you can be part of God's family forever. And there's nothing you can do to get that taken away. But if you are a follower of Christ, you have, we have a responsibility to keep our hearts cleansed before God. And we, we, that's through regular confession and repentance. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this is something I do every day. Every day I spend time confessing the sins that I committed that day. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's an attitude. Usually it's an attitude, talk to my wife. And um, I usually confess that. And so there's no sin that's too small to confess, but there's also no sin too big that God can't forgive immediately because of how great Christ is. It's a joy to live a cleansed life before God. Repentance is not a negative thing. Repentance is a positive thing because it means you get this personal, intimate, deep fellowship with God on a daily basis. And I want that for everyone here. Second Chronicles sixty nine. for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking around the world for people that are synced up with him, that their hearts are in the right place. Not perfection, but really seeking to fall wholeheartedly for God. And if you get usable, God will wear you out. God is gonna pour out his blessing on you and you're gonna see a string of answers to prayer in your life. The next thing I see is that prayer that changes the world is full of faith. Prayer that changes the world is full of faith. Is any, is, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray, James 5.13. I love how simple that is. Are you in trouble? Then Pray. If I'm honest, my first response when I've faced trouble is panic. <laughs> it's not pray, okay? And I've, I've slowly learned I need to get to praying and less panicking, and so I'm growing. At the end of a football game, when the, the team's down by a touchdown, they throw it up. What do they throw up? They throw up a prayer, okay? And prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be the first thing we go to when we're faced with temptation, when we're faced with trial, James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise him up. I love this passage and how, the way it's stated. It's like James, when he's writing it, he's like, yeah, so God's going to answer. Like, of course, <laughs> he's God. <laughs> That's what he does. And I think when we pray, I want to grow in my faith where when I pray for something, I just expect God to do it. And he doesn't always do it every time, but when I pray, I wanna grow to the place where I I can pray and I can know God is gonna work. A few years ago, my wife, we were at a challenge, our college ministry on campus challenge meeting, and my wife was sitting in the audience and we were doing a series like this about faith and prayer. And she, we were, she had been praying for our friend that was having trouble having kids for a long time. And she had put him on her hit list. She was praying for him every day. And she was just praying for this, this, her friend. And during the message, she felt like, maybe God wants to heal my friend. Of this and and for them to have kids. And the next day she got a text from her friend telling her they were having triplets. (laughs) What a coincidence, okay? What a coincidence. Richard Trench, Archbishop of Dublin, was reportedly confronted by a skeptic who answered his testimonies of answered prayer. Your answers to prayer are just coincidence. Trench responded, that may be I only know this, the more I pray, the more coincidence I have. And the less I pray, the less coincidence I experience. It's my prayer that all of us will experience a lot of coincidences in our life. That we will go through our whole lives seeing God work over and over and over again. Faith is like a muscle, the more you work it out, the stronger it gets. And so the, you wanna pray for impossible things. I wanna challenge you to stretch the, ki- the type of things that you're praying for. I, I came across this quote from Alice in Wonderland, and it, it's kind of been with me ever since. It says, Alice laughed. There's no use trying. She said, one cannot believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the queen. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast." <laughs> That's something I want to do. And it's kind of cheesy, but I try to believe six impossible things in prayer to God before breakfast. If, if I could show you my prayer list, I won't show you my prayer list because some of the things I haven't told anyone about, they're so big that, that I, I'm not going to tell you, okay? And, and, but there's other things that have been really big that God's done. And there's plenty of things that I've prayed for that are so big that he hasn't done. And I'm not worried about that. I don't need to worry about the things that God chooses not to do. But I need to expect that God can do it. So that's one of the things I encourage you to grow your faith is to create a prayer list and then track when he answers a prayer. I Years ago, I started a prayer list where I had prayers on one side and answers on the other. And you can just write down the answers, write the prayers on one side. And it's been amazing to watch how God answers prayer. God actually does. He wants to answer prayer in your life. Um, Years ago, we needed a car, and so we added that to our prayer list, and we actually, Owen was four years old at the time, and so we brought him in on the process of praying together, and he, he loved his favorite color was silver at the time, so he said, Daddy, can we pray for a silver car? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay, let's pray. <laughs> and so we prayed for the silver car, and it turns out my friend, God told him to give us this really nice car, and guess what color it was? Silver, yeah. What a coincidence, you know? And it's amazing to see that my son's faith through that process grew. And so a thing, a thing came up right after that, and it was a pretty big thing. It seemed impossible. but I was like, this seems impossible, Owen, but do you think God can do it? He's like, yeah, of course. God gave us a car, didn't he? You know? And so I think, I think that's something we want to have. We want to have a childlike faith I think we got to get back to the basics and just believe God at his word. That's what faith is, is not overthinking, but trusting God and believing him to, and taking him at his word. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I wonder what would happen if we spent less time trying to modify or explain away passages like this and we spent more time obeying them. And we really, we really decided that, that Jesus longs and, and wants us to, to ask him for things and he wants to move in our lives. That's right. Dawson Trotman, a great guy, I, I would recommend you Google him. He said this, if you know why I often ask Christians, what's the biggest thing you've asked God for this week? I remind them that they're going to God, the father, the maker of the universe, the one who holds the world in his hands. What did you ask for? Did you ask for peanuts, toys, trinkets, or did you ask for continents? I think the size of our prayers should reflect the size of our God. God is big, and God is able, and he wants to move in our lives. So there's nothing that's too small to pray to God, but there's also nothing too big. God cares about your daily struggles and your needs and wants. So I encourage you to make a prayer list of everything. My prayer list has small things, it has people that are important to me, and then it has some impossible things. I encourage you to try that out. Here's a question for you. If God answered all your prayers yesterday, it's not on the screen. If God answered all your prayers yesterday, how would your life be different? Would the world be different? If God answered every single one of your prayers yesterday, would the world be different? The last thing prayer that changes the world is united with others. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. There's something powerful that happens when believers get together and pray. There's something amazing that happens when each person brings their faith to the situation and it creates a synergy where God, I, don't, I just can't explain it, but God does things when we pray together that he doesn't do when we just pray alone. Matthew 18:20. for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. I challenge, we've gained a vision for this and we've started to pray together on a semi-regular basis. Once a week, we do this thing called the boiler room and we get together and we believe that's where where the power is. And we get together right before our large group meeting and we just pray for the speaker. We pray for the needs in our ministry. And it's been amazing to watch God answer those prayers. And then a bunch of students, I don't know how this happened, but a bunch of students just started randomly planning these get-togethers to pray. Some of them at 6 a.m. in the morning. And if you know anything about college students, that's a miracle right there, okay? (laughs) And, And we're just seeing God move. Almost every single week on campus at Chico State and Butte College, we are seeing a student cross from death to life. We are seeing God do the greatest miracle of all, which is changing a human heart. And so that's what I pray. I pray that as a church family, that we would go forward together, asking God to do the most important miracles, which is saving people from their sins. And so I just wanna challenge us, block out time to spend real time with God, live a a holy life before, before him, and just learn to pray with others. So a life of prayer that changes the world flows out of a holy life, it's full of faith and it's united with others. Join me in praying. God, we're humbled. We're humbled by the fact that you want to use us, that you want to participate with us in changing our lives and changing the world. I pray that each person here would gain a deeper vision for growing in their Their prayer life and in their walk with you. That we would not just settle for what the standard American Christian does, but we would really be biblical in how we live our lives. And that we would see movements of God, answers to prayer that are in line with who you are and who you say you are in the Bible. So glorify yourself through this church and through our lives. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.